The e-scooter global market size is projected to hit over $30 billion by 2028. While e-scooters as we know them seemingly started to pop up very recently, the first device resembling a motorized scooter was invented in 1915 by a company called Autoped in Long Island City, New York. Now they're electrified and lining the streets of major metropolitan areas, some using them as a convenient and quick last mile mode of transportation, and others complaining about how they clutter sidewalks. E-scooter rideshare systems are already in 158 U.S. cities including Washington, D.C., which will have over 20,000 rentable e-scooters by the end of the year. That's about four times the amount of bikes available in their city bike share program. It's a program that has offered a lot of different variety uh, and additional mobility options um, throughout the district. It was designed with a commitment to provide you know, equity, sustainability, and also definitely make sure we have safety in mind. Despite e-scooters essentially becoming a part of the culture and a regular mode of transportation in cities like DC and Austin, which has over 10,000 e-scooters, rideshare e-scooter businesses are struggling. And other cities like New York and Paris have partial or full bans in place for rideshare e-scooter companies. Companies like Bird, Lime, and Spin have all faced issues working with cities, backlash after fatal accidents, and are simply struggling with profitability. When Bird Global, one of the largest e-scooter rideshare companies in the industry, went public via SPAC in November 2021, it had an implied $2.3 billion valuation. Now its stock has tumbled about 98% from its peak. The primary reason is that focus in not on top line growth, which is maybe where the markets were a couple of years ago, uh, and a focus in on total co-profitability where we just recently are starting to make the turn on that. I, I chalk it up to more of a symptom of just a, a young company, high growth, kind of going public maybe a year or two before it probably otherwise would have or should have. Some cities like DC view rideshare e-scooters as a beneficial additional transportation option because they're quiet, environmentally friendly, and relatively cheap. I've seen the growth, I've seen the interest, I've seen the request um, that we've received here in Washington, D.C. alone um, for different um, vendors that want to come and, and do business here in Washington, D.C. Um, and so I do believe it's, it's here to stay. As opposed to a gimmicky joyride for tourists, people in D.C. do use them regularly as a mode of transportation. In 2022, there were five shared fleet electric scooter permitted companies that were operating here in D.C. Um, and together they had over five million rides. Other cities have more strict rules with riding e-scooters and the rideshare companies in operation. San Francisco recently saw the exit of Bird as the company decided the city has become too difficult to work with as it makes strides towards profitability. We operate in around 400 cities um, and they had the highest fine rate of any city in the world that we operate in and um, they were in the top 1% of cities for vehicle theft. Some cities like San Francisco have strict parking laws as residents often complain about scooters on the sidewalk and view them as clutter. In a two-month span last summer in San Francisco, there were over 12,000 citations for improperly parked e-scooters, resulting in Bird paying $385,000, Lime $577,000, and Spin $390,000 in fines. And early in that same summer, San Diego required e-scooter companies to install geofencing that deactivates e-scooters riding on sidewalks. This is the newest form of transportation. We haven't, you know, historically thought of it in our planning and in our infrastructure, and so we are playing catch up and doing it as quickly as we can. I know some other cities have landed in different areas, kind of on the value proposition that these vehicles bring. 
Many cities have strict laws against the use of e-scooters on sidewalks that can include hefty fines. In Paris, 89% of voters voted to ban rentable e-scooters from the nation's capital, setting safety as the main concern with e-scooter usage, both for riders and pedestrians. This vote comes as Paris plans to ban cars from the city center in early 2024, in what some are seeing as a counterproductive measure for its carless ideal. We have an imperative as a society to get cars off the road. And that's true whether you consider congestion, emissions and air quality, or housing affordability. Transportation is the largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. at 27%. An e-scooter halves the amount of CO2 produced by a car with about 200 grams per mile traveled. So long as they're being used to replace short car trips instead of a walkable trip, they're a clear environmental improvement over cars. Cities understand this, and that's why they're publishing goals to reduce emissions and get cars off the road. That includes New York City saying they're going to reduce emissions by 50%, San Diego by 60%. San Francisco said they want 80% of trips taken to be out of single occupancy vehicles by 2030. Micromobility is an excellent way for cities to achieve that goal. E-scooters are far more efficient per mile than a combustion engine car. Between 30 and 40% of trips replace a driving trip. We see a lot of those replacing the TNCs, the Uber and Lyfts. However, some studies have suggested that e-scooters are more frequently replacing walkable trips than short drives or Ubers. And while some complain about e-scooters taking space on the sidewalk, they use a lot less space overall than cars and don't require any new parking infrastructure. Since we uh, permitted e-scooter operations in Denver uh, back in 2018, Riders have traveled more than 15 million miles, 12.9 um, million trips folks have taken on shared bikes and scooters, I should highlight, that includes bikes as well. And with that, we've reduced nearly 5 million driving trips from Denver's roadways. Because they take up so little space, e-scooters also contribute to reduced traffic congestion. One study showed that after Atlanta banned e-scooters and e-bikes for a period in 2019, commute times increased by 10%. And it's estimated that micromobility could reduce national travel times for drivers by over 17%. And rideshare programs are relatively affordable. An average 10 minute trip, which can get you a little over 2 miles, costs under $5. One of the main concerns city residents have with e scooters revolves around safety. And the Consumer and Product Safety Commission found that there were nearly 120,000 emergency room visits, with 68 riders killed between 2017 and 2021 using e scooters, while 53 died from riding e bikes. In San Francisco, there was an increase in e-scooter injuries from 2020 to 2021 by about 58%, up to 153 injuries. Certain laws and limitations have proven successful in the decrease of injuries. Uh, in, in Finland, we saw that when we limited uh, the availability of the e-scooters at night, we saw decrease in the incidence of the injuries. In the study period, most of the accidents happened from uh, 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. From those patients, two-thirds were intoxicated, so, so that was a big problem. And uh, in 2022, we saw that there were 60% less of these injuries uh, in, in the following summers when these uh, restrictions were in place. One study found that there was one e-scooter injury for every 5,555 miles traveled. And a lack of protected lanes for micromobility could be at fault for some of the e-scooter fatalities, 72% of which involved a motor vehicle, and 74% of all injuries happen on paved roads. In addition to rider safety, concerns over pedestrian safety is also a factor, 
But a recent study at a major metropolitan hospital found that only about 5% of e-scooter-related emergency room visits were pedestrians. The patients that were treated in the hospitals that we looked at, only 3% of those were pedestrians or bicyclists or someone who didn't ride the e-scooter. So that tells us that uh, most of the accidents happened to the rider itself. While the number of accidents is fairly comparable to other modes of micromobility, many cities like DC are still enforcing laws like the prohibition of sidewalk riding in busy pedestrian areas to ensure safety. We're committed to safety first and foremost, um, and that is why we enforce a, a 10 mile per hour speed limit on our shared fleet electric scooters. While shared micromobility use has become increasingly popular, e-scooter companies like Bird and Lime have struggled with profitability. In 2022, Bird had a net loss of over $380 million, compared to a $215 million loss the year prior. It's probably too crowded, too fragmented a landscape in terms of, of companies out there. A plethora of companies have sprouted after Bird and Lime's initial launch. Some companies like Uber have tried its hand in the e-scooter rideshare business. In DC and Austin, there are five and four different companies competing with each other for ridership, respectively. While these companies competing with each other have had profitability issues, Bird says it's getting closer to being profitable. So for 2022, Bird's revenue is $245 million. That was about a 30% growth from the prior year. We are guiding to an adjusted EBITDA of positive 15 to $20 million for 2023 and positive free cash flow of 5 to $10 million. In 2019, Ford acquired Spin Scooters for an estimated 80 to $90 million, only to get out of the e-scooter business just a few years later, selling the company to Berlin-based Tier Mobility. Apart from having to compete with other scooter share companies within cities, they also have to work with the cities to expand services, which are sometimes limited. For instance, in New York, e-scooter rideshare companies are currently only allowed in the Bronx as part of a pilot program. While the NYC DOT considered the pilot a success, it still hasn't expanded to any other boroughs and other cities haven't allowed any rideshare micromobility companies yet. There's still major markets like Houston and New Orleans and Las Vegas that haven't yet stood this up. So we have a lot of potential as an industry to continue growing. And then even in cities where we're in today, those programs aren't necessarily all at scale. So as cities like New York pilot smaller programs, see that they're successful, we'll see them expanding the programs and operators will expand their footprints, even within cities that we operate in today. You know, you, you've also seen some cities, they're leaning into the opportunity, but they're doing it in sort of a more measured way. I think over time, th those things need to change a little bit in order for these companies to actually kind of become sustainably, consistently profitable and, and still grow. Uh, but again, I think that that's just a reflection of this kind of like test and learn period we're in right now. Lime, which also has rentable bikes and is considering an IPO, said that it was profitable throughout 2022 on an adjusted EBITDA basis which no other micromobility company has achieved yet. We just guided to be free, co free cash flow positive for the year in 2023 um, is all about how do you build not just sustainable unit economics, so you see a decent payback on the vehicles, but how do you do that at a scale with a controlled central cost base where you're covering your, your central costs and are actually generating true uh, free cash flow profitability as a company. And that's where I think we are right now.